fear happens at a corporate level and uncertainty happens at a team level and doubt happens at an individual level I, in my insane way of thinking about this sure so companies are afraid of cannibalizing their own markets because they think we're making a billion dollars and if we do this move we're gonna make 500 million right we're gonna lose 500 million and that's not the way they should look at it. it's not a matter of we're gonna lose that it's a your entire billion dollars is gone how much are you gonna try <laughs> to make like right they look at these things completely wrong yeah um, but companies have a fear of that of, of change they become very myopic they look on the quarterly numbers now one thing that has been uh, interesting in the markets is some companies have said they're not gonna do quarterly revenue updates I actually think this is a great thing for innovation. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This episode, episode five of eight, in our discussions with Whirly, he describes fear, uncertainty, and doubt as innovation killers, and discusses whether or not the best companies are those that can periodically cannibalize their own markets, and will also look at whether quantum will kill the blockchain star. Quantum computing being a threat to blockchain. Uh, I saw that you published something on that. Um, I didn't get a chance to read it. What's the story? So about? I, didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really, I haven't really published anything. I mean, so first of all, okay. If I were, if 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 I worked for you at a Fortune Global Fortune 2000 <laughs> company, and you were my CEO, and I said, oh, I did a bunch of drugs and got really drunk last night. I found myself in the dark <laughs> web, and in this anonymous <coughs> chat room, I found this white paper. I think it should be the basis of all of our technology. <laughs> you would probably say you're fucking fired. <laughs> but for some reason, blockchain is all the rage because it's going to do something. Um, I'm not impressed with the technology. I'm not impressed with the concepts. I think I could arguably take any concept you've seen in blockchain and show you 40, 50, 60 years ago. Maybe we go all back to von Neumann or something wow. where the concepts are. We, <laughs> ledgers aren't transparent because the people who run them don't want them to be transparent. And just because you do doesn't mean they're going to be transparent. <laughs> and the other thing is is there's no blockchain. Like, like if blockchain were the internet, I would be impressed. If like ARPANET and uh, you know we, we had built this infrastructure that is global and scalable, that is one giant thing on which all these ledgers, that'd be one thing. But everybody's recreating yeah. this entire system every time they create it. And uh, the hype around it is just d depressing. And that could be negative too, because for example, there might be a lot of people who go into quantum if yes. they weren't so obsessed with making a quick book uh, in, in blockchain. Well, you know, well, there, or, there are, or, or, there are, cha or changing there the world already, There are already about a half yeah. dozen quantum blockchain companies. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> That are very questionable. <laughs> I wouldn't give them any money. <laughs> but uh, but but the thing is 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 so um, so I am a I am openly critical of blockchain. Okay. Uh, I am the contrarian voice in the room saying I, we 
have all of this, and this isn't really great code, and it's very heavy in energy consumption, et cetera, et cetera. People say, yeah. and the first thing people say is, oh, Bitcoin. And, and I'm like, you know, um, there are so many ways to make fun of Bitcoin. And there, don't look, there are people who have made millions <laughs> of dollars, sort of. I recently, with Ecliptic Capital, we invested in a company called Unchained Capital. Uh. And this company gives you a loan on your Bitcoin for actual money. Oh. <laughs> and the amount of people doing that, I can tell you, tells me that the Bitcoin is not money because uh. they're all taking loans of them. <laughs> it's an intangible asset. Right? Yeah, That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need a cryptocurrency or decentralized. That doesn't mean the co conceptually these things are great. Yeah. Conceptually, there's great things about blockchain. Conceptually, there's great things about Bitcoin. Yeah, when it's, it's, when it's, an, it's an elegant, it's a beautiful, elegant solution with a beautiful philosophy behind it. But it's one thing being elegant and beautiful is another thing being practical right. it's an and elegant, pragmatic. It's an elegant philosophy with a pretty half-ass implemented shitty solution, <laughs> right? From an engineering standpoint, yeah. I just don't think they're that great. However, this is where... One, one can't be sure, though. This is where... Yeah. I can be pretty sure, but this is where <laughs> uh, this is where um, I try to build my brand in being objective. Yep. Right. And so. So you're deconstructing that publicly. So what? So what? You know. So everybody comes to me and they say, "Quantum will kill blockchain," and they want me to say, "Absolutely," because they know that I don't like blockchain. But that's not the case. Yeah, it's here's, the here's the threat. Let's say that I had a thousand qubit computer, which would probably not be enough. But let's just, to keep the number simple, I have a thousand qubit computer, and I can now take your pu public key, right? your public RSA key, and yep. I can reverse engineer, okay, using Shor's algorithm, the private key. Okay. And I have now broken encryption. Yeah. First thing. That doesn't mean I've broken all encryption. It means I've broken the encryption for a key, and I have to go and have to repeat that process for any key that I want to break. And let's say that 100% of the time it worked. That would still be a tremendous engineering effort to break tens Huge. of millions, hundreds of millions of keys to be like, yeah. all of this is broken. Okay? So is it to put it into reality. Number two is, the moment that I break that key, and I write the white paper, and I say, Strangeworks has created uh, uh, engineering environment in where we use Shor's algorithm and quantum computing, we've broken, uh, you know, your RSA key. So first of all, it's not the end of the world, it's one, one key. And it doesn't mean that we'll be able to break all keys. That's not how the math works. Mm. Um, but let's just assume that it did. We can 100% of the time, if you give me a public key, mm. in some short amount of time, I can know your private key and now you have no encryption. I have a thousand qubit computer to do this again. Now again, that's not, that's we're just picking that number, sure. pulling it out of our ass, right? But, sure, sure, but sure. Why wouldn't you take your key then and immediately make the key length four or five times as long, eight times as long, and now I can't do it with a thousand. I need five thousand, and it takes me six years mm -hmm. to now break those those keys. Okay. okay, that is my response to that question, <laughs> which is that threat and remediation are in a constant intertwined dance. Sure. There's a bigger threat, then there's a new remediation. Then yeah. there's this, then there's that. You build a wall, I tear the wall down. You build a wall with a gun, I make a thing that catches bullets and tears the wall down, right? Sure. We, we go through this insecurity. We've been through this insecurity. I mean, yeah. think about it. The, 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 the uh, Nazis in the World War had an unbreakable code. <laughs>
And we built a machine and, and we broke Park the code. Broke it in, right. in Cambridge. Yeah, Alan yeah, yeah. Turing, Bletchley Park, right? Yeah. And Sue, Poor Alan Sue, Turing. Sue yeah. Black is a, a amazing friend of mine. Is the woman who saved Bletchley Park? I don't know. She has a book uh, called Saving Bletchley Park. She's an OBE on uh, everything. Yeah. Now. She's very, very. I've cool. seen her on Twitter a couple of times. Oh, actually. she's amazing. She's yeah. amazing. But um, but the point is, is that that didn't end all encrypted communications, did it? No. All right. Yeah. And then years later, you had, you know different encryptions and yep. they got broken and so we built and that's just how that works so there's not gonna be like here's a quantum computer <laughs> now there's no encryption that, that's it just in fact there'll be quantum encryption there'll be, there'll be that's what uh, I was going to say you, be, you're just going to move on to a higher level correct and the whole thing is that the world will, will be played out in quantum so as much as I've been criti critical of blockchain <laughs> quantum computing will not it's be not, it's not going to be its killer will not be its demise there's already a lot of work in what's called post-quantum mm. uh, encryption uh, and, and I think everything will be just fine. Mm. And that's sad because, again, I think blockchain is a horribly <laughs> inefficient system <laughs> as a whole. There are people that will argue that, but, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's where we all, uh, you know, opinions are like assholes, right? We all, we all have <laughs> we one. We all have one. <laughs> that's great. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt kill innovation. And I know that's yeah. one of your mantras. Take us through uh, those three levels of, so of killing of innovation. So think about you're in a, a, a corporate in, in environment. That's mainly where I use this example. So you're a corporation and you've been, been running. Uh, fear happens at a corporate level. And uncertainty happens at a team level. And doubt happens at an individual level. I, in my insane way of thinking about this. Sure. So companies are afraid of cannibalizing their own markets because they think we're making a billion dollars and if we do this move we're going to make 500 million. Right? We're going to lose 500 million. And that's not the way they should look at it. It's, it's why Siebel died when Salesforce came along. They couldn't cannibalize well, their own business and go to the cloud early. And that's a, gr that's a very good example in, in the SaaS space, right? Which is, it's not a matter of we're going to lose that. It's a, your entire billion dollars is gone. How much are you going to try <laughs> to make? Like, right? They look at these things completely wrong. Yeah. Um, but companies have a fear of that, of, of change. They become very myopic. They look on the quarterly numbers. Now, one thing that has been uh, interesting in the markets is some companies have said they're not going to do quarterly revenue updates. I actually think this is a great thing for innovation. Now, yeah. there's different reasons they're doing it, different motivations. Uh, companies are, you know, a lot of people are critical of it. Some people are very supportive of but it. But it makes people myopic and short-term and, and KPIs right. and, and just That's ridiculous right. where they're just basically iteratively improving on their sales machine and their marketing machine and forgetting all about really serious innovation. And, and, yeah. and, and this is bad for everyone. So, so that's happening. But uncertainty happens kind of at team level, right? That kind of... Um, Will we get the product out? Can it, you know, is it, you know, this? What about all the, the kind of the politics within the company, all of these things? Mm. But the number one killer is the, the doubt, the self-doubt. The, I'm going to take this to my boss and they're not going to like it or they're going to think I haven't been doing my job or I'm going to this or that. And it's the same in entrepreneurship, right? That doubt is the, 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 the killer, right? Um, it, it drives... Uh, people to make bad decisions, it drives people to uh, not take risk, right? Which is something you should, life is risk. You should be taking risk all the time. Absolutely. The fact that we make risk this horrible thing is like, you know. Uh, it's what makes us human. It's part of what makes us human. Exactly. And making mistakes is human, right? Yeah. To err is human, right? Yeah. So th this, is a, th this is something that I think. And so 
you know, you have this fear at this corporate level and at the team level you have all this uncertainty and uh, and the uncertainty comes in like who's going to get credit, what about this, there's a promotion involved at the corporate level, right? But, but go down to the individual, that doubt, that self-doubt, that like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. Or you take it to your boss and they say, oh my God, we're on this deadline, why are you messing with this? Like, don't mess with this, right? Um, people uh, have this, this like, oh no, I made the wrong decision, I did this, I did that, I did instead of like, well, I'm still going to mess, I mean, me, I'd be like, okay, well, now I need to mess with it nights and weekends, but I'm still going to mess with it. Um, you know, and that, that comes, uh, uh, that c comes as FUD is a heavy toll for innovation across the board from the individuals to the teams to the, to the companies. And the same thing happens at a startup. Yeah. Right? Because you set an expectation with an investor uh, and now you have some other idea that's uh, tangential. It's become okay to pivot, but you know, 10 years ago it was like, what are you doing? I thought you were building this thing. <laughs> we had an agreement. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and now, you know, it's just, it's really, really interesting. It's really interesting to see how much fear and uncertainty and doubt destroy innovation and destroy entrepreneurship uh, within a company as well. And we, we ro romanticize entrepreneurship. Certainly people who've never done it romanticize it. Uh, and they tend to dream about funding. And you point out that funding is kind of a toxic thing for, or an well, obsession uh, with it, for pre-entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. Look, if, 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 yeah. if I there went are some out, models where you need it, of course. If, if I went out and I told you, yeah, and I said, I, uh, you know, I just went uh, into debt. Yeah. Twenty million dollars in personal debt, for whatever reason, you would say you're an idiot. But I go out and I raise $20 million and I'm a hero. But <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is debt. It is debt, yeah. You're yeah, giving yeah. up company control. You're, you know, it's, it's a cost. There's a, there's uh -huh. a very, very demonstrable cost to yeah. raising that money. In the next episode, episode six of eight, Whirly describes Inc. Magazine as a romance novel for business nerds and wonders whether we should be romanticizing gambling with our lives and those of our families, which is what we do when we decide to take on the role of a startup entrepreneur. Exciting, but hard and risky. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. <laughs>